The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to episode number 168 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, which is the third episode in our Civil Engineering Entrepreneurs series, I will be talking with Jenny Snape, licensed professional engineer and managing partner of Batcher LLC, about building a civil engineering company with a social mission that does both for-profit and pro bono work. It's a really inspiring interview. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. Now, I'm excited for another episode of the Civil Engineering Entrepreneurs series. I talk to so many civil engineers who want to become partners in their existing firm or they want to own their own firm. And we really thought that this series would be focused on helping them grow their firms. And I think that that's exactly what it has done so far. And in this episode with Jenny Snape of Batcher is really a special one. I'm going to get into that in a minute. But before we get started, this is a free show and our sponsors do help us keep it free. So we ask that you please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode and really for this series, Big Time. Big Time is the industry-leading PSA software providing time tracking, billing, and project management for engineering firms with the goal of getting your business back to business. You can learn more about Big Time's PSA solution at bigtime.net. Big Time would also like to provide this tip to listeners about a company's vision and mission statement. Set a five-year goal and vision for your firm and work backward, creating smaller goals that will help you achieve your vision. Get to a point where you have three things you know you have to do each quarter that moves your needle forward. I'd also like to remind you that at EMI, we have several training solutions for your team. We have our Engineering Management Accelerator Series where we provide people leadership skills training project management, training, scope, schedule, budget, really important fundamentals. And we also have a new seller-doer training where we can help your professionals bring in more business, right? Who doesn't want to do that? We also have our Civil Engineering Collective, which was a continuous training program where you can get your people online every month and have them learn about topics that will help them in their civil engineering careers that aren't taught in school, those soft skills, those leadership skills, And we're really excited to continue to help many engineering professionals on a regular basis. If you're interested in any of our training services, you can find them at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org or you can call us at 1-800-920-4007. That's 1-800-920-4007. Let me introduce our guest for this episode, Jenny Snape. Jenny manages civil engineering and structural engineering projects at Batcher. In 13 years as a civil and coastal engineer, Jenny has spearheaded projects for a wide range of private, municipal, and federal agencies. This includes civil site design, hydrologic and hydraulic modeling for urban, rural, and coastal systems, and structural design for residential and commercial structures. Jenny was born in Las Vegas and raised in Montana. She received her BS in civil engineering from Tulane and her master's certificate in coastal engineering from Old Dominion. 
She's also very active in the community. She's dedicated to local stormwater management and flood mitigation, and she's active in many organizations, including Engineers Without Borders, which she's going to talk about in detail. Jenny was named in the national top 20 under 40 by Engineering News Record, New Orleans City Businesswoman of the Year, and Outstanding Young Alumni of the Tulane School of Engineering, and she really is a dynamic person. For a little bit about the company Batcher, Batcher was established in 2014. It is a Louisiana-based civil engineering, land surveying, and landscape architecture firm specializing in structural engineering, site development, water resources engineering, green infrastructure, and more. Batcher is a certified disadvantaged business enterprise, DBE, and a small entrepreneurship Hudson initiative dedicated to the progress and protection of Southeast Louisiana. And Batcher really is dedicated to the idea that a highly inspired team can deliver outstanding results while also creating powerful social and environmental change. And that's what we're going to talk about. So let's dive into our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week with Jenny Snape. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'm excited to welcome in our podcast guest for today, Jenny Snape, managing partner at Batcher down in New Orleans, Louisiana. Jenny, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about kind of your backstory. How did you end up starting Batcher? And of course, tell us about the firm as well. My back backstory, I grew up in Montana. And I had this great opportunity when I was in high school to do like a school to work program one day a week in my second semester of junior and senior year. So my junior year, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And they put me at an engineering company just because I like, really enjoyed math. So they put me at a civil engineering firm and that firm focused mostly on transportation and airport design. And I just really fell in love with it. So my senior year, I went to a different engineering firm who was a little bit more on the development side, like roads and lots and stuff like that. So worked for them and then actually went back and worked for them in college every summer. They were really great mentors and gave me a lot of great opportunities. After high school, I went to New Orleans for college and and I went to Tulane and got my civil engineering degree there. And then I left New Orleans right after school, decided I didn't want to, didn't want to go the um, grad school route and went straight to work in Arizona. I worked in Arizona for land development companies for about five years until the housing market crashed. (laughs) And then uh, the housing market crash closed the company that I worked for there. So I moved back to New Orleans where I had still had some great connections and worked for a small firm here where I got to know a lot of people in the industry over the next five years. I was involved in an organization called Engineers Without Borders. And, you know, through that organization, got to meet Bob Mora, who then will be my future business partner, is now my future business partner. And, you know, we just started talking and realized that we had a lot of complementary skill sets, talked a lot about how we imagined a company could be. Bob had at that time already started his own firm. So it was just him and, and another person for the first couple of years in 2014. I joined him in 2016 as a managing partner for Batcher. And um, we've just been growing the company from there. So We started with like three people then, and now we're up to 21 amazing people at the company. I've known Bob. I've had the pleasure of knowing Bob for a long time. He's a great guy, a great engineer. He also has a background in surveying as well. And I think that's been really helpful. I know for him and his career and for the company. And and Bob actually was on, for those of you that didn't hear the episode, you can go back and check out episode number 78, which is back in 2018. The, the title of the episode is Deep Conversation on the Philosophy Behind Building a Civil Engineering Firm. And, and, you know, I know Bob's wanted to do this for a long time, 
he obviously was lucky to be able to find you, Jenny, and you've done a great job together building Batcher. Let's start with mission for a minute because, you know, a lot of companies have missions and vision statements and those types of things. And for some companies, they really utilize those to build everything around. You know, they really take that to heart. Other companies, it's kind of something to put on their website more or less. And so it's something that's important. But what's interesting about Batcher that I've always admired is that you have what you describe on your website as a social mission that's really focused around giving back to the community of New Orleans. And, you know, I've always been kind of fascinated about that. When you go to your website, batcher-eng.com, the first thing you see is building a better future for New Orleans. And then you have a whole thing about your social mission. Talk about that. I mean, I know you and Bob met through Engineers Without Borders, which in itself, if you're not familiar with EWB, it's a great organization that helps to improve civilization effectively all over the world. But talk about the social mission and the whole idea behind the company of giving back. Like you said about Engineers Without Borders, you know, our local chapter here in New Orleans is a little unique. We do some international work, but a lot of our work is focused on New Orleans itself because New Orleans has certain challenges that there's some really amazing like nonprofit organizations here that help support those challenges that we have. And a lot of them just need a little bit of engineering help you know? so or some construction help. In addition to the international work with EWB here, we do a significant amount of local work. And I think, you know, that's where our passion started with the social mission behind it with a for-profit company, but, you know, having sort of a nonprofit mentality, I guess, with helping people and, and, you know, helping our community and helping our society. We wanted to write the mission statement and the values mission statement to really help us focus and get our thoughts in place around what we wanted to see and how we wanted to help New Orleans. We actually wrote them as part of a growth program. So it was nice to be told that we should write it. Because at first, you know, I kind of thought it was a a little bit of a cheesy thing to sit down and write a mission and vision statement. But I was really glad that we did it. And it helped us work with each other and talk through our ideas of how we wanted to, what we wanted to see the company do and, you know, what values that we really valued in people and in ourselves and the process was great. I think the outcome was great. And like I mentioned before, I, we also put, we added six value statements to go with it. I don't think that they're on the website that we wanted to use internally to keep our focus. What I think is valuable about a mission and vision statements are they're valuable if they're used to set like the strategic direction of the firm. And it helps you when you're making decisions, you reflect back on them. Because truly to me, if it's really the mission of the company and your vision for where the company is going, then you should really make your decisions based around them. And it certainly sounds like you're doing that, which is great. And I want to read the first paragraph of the social mission on the website, just for our listeners that aren't familiar with the company. And it says, Batcher was founded on a shared desire to give back to the city. The owners of Batcher, Bob Mora and Jenny Snape, first met while working with the New Orleans chapter of Engineers Without Borders. Today, community work is an integral part of our philosophy where paid projects and pro bono projects are held with equal importance and priority. It's just what we do it's just who we are. So talk about that because I know, you know, from knowing Bob and having some conversations with Bob in the past, that the pro bono side of your business is important to both of you. Like you said, just as important as the kind of some of the private projects. Talk about that. How did that happen? It happened a little bit out of, you know, both of us were volunteering for for different organizations and even in nonprofit organizations, there's a little bit of a bureaucracy, right? So Engineers Without Borders were given on some of these project opportunities but there was a timeline that couldn't be met within the process of 
that organization. So Batcher usually takes on projects if they have a shorter timeline and uh, can't go through the Engineers Without Borders process. We work with a nonprofit who needs a new shed built or like a, you know, new parking lot designed for their farmer's market, you know, or it has a stormwater management issue or, you know, structural issue. And we take those in. We don't have like a formal process. You know, we don't have like a cap on the number of pro bono projects we can do. We try to balance them where we don't expect our employees to do those hours outside of the office. You know, we expect them to do that within their 40 hours a week of work. So trying to balance it um, is a little challenging sometimes because the scope of pro bono projects is sometimes not nearly, not close, clearly defined, you know, we sometimes have to sit down with the owner and help them define the scope as part of the process. But um, we think it's fun and it's challenging and we're all just have a lot of pride for the outcome of it. You know, we can see a local group really succeed once they have that in place, you know, once they have just a little bit of help. So. You're acting almost like a nonprofit, but you're faster and you can kind of adapt maybe quicker. And so you're able to help with some projects that they can't handle because of some of their limitations in a sense. Yeah, exactly. So that's generally how the projects come in to Batcher through that sort of process. Because I think from a culture perspective, in terms of your company, it speaks to a culture where you're building a culture where everybody there is basically living out your mission, which is kind of building a better New Orleans, whether it's for private projects or whether it's pro bono projects, which to me is great. And I'm sure what a lot of people are thinking right now, especially maybe civil engineering business owners, is how the heck are they able to do pro bono projects and still you know, survive in terms of having people work on those hours? But I would imagine it comes down to just being really smart about your finances and the way you run your business. Like I said, we don't have a formal process for deciding when we can take on more pro bono projects, but because our employees are also dedicated to that same mission, it really helps because they don't see a difference in the work. We can manage a difference in the work on the financial side, but you know they don't work on it differently from the way that they would work on a for-profit project. A lot of our employees we've gotten through our relationships with Engineers Without Borders, through our, um, we just know them from that organization. So a lot of us have that same mentality and it, it really drives us. That is your culture and you have people in that mindset already that kind of come on board there, which is I'm sure helpful to keep that going. You mentioned your employees and you know we know people are a critical component of building a business, especially in the world of civil engineering, which is a very people-oriented profession. Talk about the importance of the people in your company and, you know, how you find, develop, and retain people at Batcher. Employees really are our biggest asset. Besides our office building, they're our only asset. So we really try to find the right people. We don't necessarily go out with a job description and try to find any person that will just fill a job description. We generally have identified our employees through existing relationships, you know, people that we've worked with in the past, people that we know would be a cultural fit for the company and, you know, almost find positions for them or find the fit for them. We provide a lot of different services, you know, structural engineering, civil engineering, landscape architecture, surveying. So most of the people we know in the engineering world fit within one of those sort of uh, boxes and we kind of have a list of people that we want to work with. And when an opportunity comes available that they might be available, we try to hire them and find a place for them. We've been pretty successful in that. We have a great group of employees, so it has, it's worked pretty well for us. And then as far as uh, development of employees, 
We've had sort of informal mentorship program in the past. And I think, well, we've, we really just talked about a lot of these things last week in a meeting, but we're in the process of developing a much more formal mentorship plan. We want to, you know, even if it involves bringing in some mentors that are retired engineers from other companies and to mentor some of our people, we think that's it's really important to employee development. And then on the technical side, you know, getting people some classes or whatever that they need to reach their goals as well, because we want people to be happy with what they're doing. We want to help them meet their goals so that they can help us, you know, meet our goals as a company. And, you know, I think just like caring about your, our employees and we have pretty creative benefits, I think, that we give the employees and we just try to make the whole company culture feel fun. And that's really helped us with retention. I really love that approach in terms of just hiring people that you think would fit the company well. I mean, there's a great quote. I think it might be from Peter Drucker. I'll have to confirm it, but culture eats strategy for lunch, which is true. I mean, you know, and a lot of times you see this like in sports where a team might be looking to bring in a player because, you know, he or she fits the team. They fit the culture. They fit like how the team plays together, as opposed to just saying like, we have a position open. We're going to find someone for that specific position. But, you know, you don't really hear it that often in the world of engineering or civil engineering where you say, you know, we have an eye on a couple of people that we think might fit in good here. And if things work, we'll try to bring them onto the team. And so I've always liked that about Batcher. And, you know, I've had some conversations with Bob about that in the past. I think it's just a really smart move, but it just seems like a lot of people are reactive and they have a hole. They feel like they need to fill it quickly and they maybe make a hire quickly without thinking through it. I can see how that has benefited you certainly. And, and I'm sure we'll continue to benefit you. Now, as the company grows, of course, ultimately there becomes more and more seats in the company. When you start a business or when a business is small, it may be the same person that's doing a lot of different things, doing marketing, doing business development. But of course, as time goes on, you're going to need to fill these different roles. So how do you kind of ensure at Batcher that you have the right people kind of in the right seats doing what they do best? How does that look like right now? I know you're still not huge right now, but still probably making some of those decisions. You know, making sure the company grows sustainably and effectively has, has really been a, a constant challenge for us and something that we're trying to make sure we keep hold of. <laughs> you know, we don't want to grow too fast. And, and like you said, we want to make sure that we get people into the right roles, you know, at the right time. So all of our employees have taken strengths tests. We kind of use the strengths similarly to the mission and vision where we can tie a lot of things back to everybody's strengths. In addition to that, just their strengths, we have a just a spreadsheet, we had a knowledge of everybody's technical skills so that we can see where people would fit within, you know, different roles as they come up. We want to talk with all of our employees about what their goals are as well, because I don't want to put somebody in some sort of role that they're not going to enjoy, that they're not interested in. Somebody's not interested in business development, so maybe I don't want to put them into that, that role. So we want to keep track of our employees' goals along with that. We've tried to fill some, some of those roles just as we've expanded and hired those people that we've identified. And then maybe they have like a little skill that we can put in one area. But we've recently decided that we needed to not just be one big group. You know, we were just Thatcher before. We didn't have departments. We kind of wanted to avoid having departments. We wanted everybody to be this malleable group of people who could do whatever. As we've gotten to this point, like about a year ago, we decided that it was time to split up into departments so that we could grow more sustainably. We could grow more in a more controlled manner. We hired and brought in two department managers and then an operations manager to help us just kind of keep 
everything growing the right way. You know, we didn't want to grow too fast. We didn't want to grow without having some systems in place to manage it. We identified this last year as the time. Of course, we decided this right before COVID. So now, like, people have department managers now that they've only like met one time in person. So, you know, hopefully that'll get better as, uh, as getting better. For sure. So it sounds like it's a lot of communication between you, Bob, the leadership, constantly reassessing where people are, are people in the right seats? What are their skill sets? Just making decisions on a kind of a rolling basis. I mean, I think the thing that's interesting to me, and we'll have to see how things progress and maybe we'll have you back on, you know, in another year or so, but when there's a company like Batcher that I would say is really progressive, you have a great social mission, you're real creative with your staff and you really built a great culture. Sometimes maintaining all of those things as you grow becomes very challenging because like you said, you know, you want it to just like not have departments and then you realize you kind of need departments. It'll be interesting to kind of watch, I think, Batcher grow and see how you, Bob, the leadership manage all that. And I'm, and I'm confident you'll do a great job because, you know, I know both of you work really well together, but just talk about it for a minute from your perspective, Jenny. You're an engineer, you're a successful engineer, you are a successful business owner, but you're building what I would say is a civil engineering company that I wouldn't say that it looks like the typical civil engineering company in terms of the things you do, the social mission, the pro bono projects, you know, the creativity that you have involved there. New Orleans is certainly a very unique community in the US and you're very involved in that in, in many levels. How do you navigate this on a daily basis, meaning that you're not just going to work every day to do some plans and specifications by any stretch. You know, you have a lot of stuff you're thinking about, you're navigating, you're building a business, which is, you know, you're using entrepreneurial skills. How do you find that on a day-to-day basis? Every day is different. I'll tell you that. It's a challenge. And, and like you said in the beginning, like not losing focus of our mission and vision is, and our culture is something that's important to us. And so, you know, we have a lot of discussions around it. And we try to make sure that Bob and I, you know, as we're growing, have been trying to step back a little bit so that from the day-to-day engineering work and be more in a mentorship role and be more in a uh, quality control role and more in that space where we can focus on what to do within the company to keep the culture there. And we don't want to lose focus of it. When we like hire four people at a time, it was a little bit of a concern, you know, it was like, oh man, how do we get everybody to know what our, we want our culture to look like, especially when we're virtual. We've been trying to come up with some creative ways to instill culture while still being safe and, you know, keeping the office closed. So it's definitely been a challenge, but I think that I feel encouraged by how our employees have succeeded during this time. And I think when we're getting back into the office and everybody's able to talk back and forth and, and have that fun, because fun is a part of our culture that will really see everybody thrive. When you build a company like this, it takes a lot of time and effort just to focus on the culture part of it for the leadership, really. I mean, you have to be dedicated to the culture. You need to put a lot of time and effort into it. You need to get creative as the company grows to make sure that you can, that that culture can kind of stick and flex a little bit here and there as it needs to. So it's great to see you do that. One last question I have for you, and then we'll jump into our, we'll we'll put Jenny on the civil engineering hot seat in a few minutes. And I don't think Bob will mind me asking this question, but are you as calm as he is? (laughs) Because he's always so calm, he seems. I would probably consider myself calmer than him. I mean, every time I seem to talk to him, you know, I know how successful Batcher is. and I know how many things you both have going on there. 
And so when I talk to him, he seems always so reserved. Even And if you listen to the last podcast episode, our listeners, you'll kind of get a feel for Bob and how calm and reserved he is. And if you're more reserved, then that's even both seem very laid back, yet you're growing such a, a great company here that seems to be growing at a relatively fast clip. And you seem to be able to stay so calm and collected through the process. So I just commend you both on that because it seems that you're really focused on your mission of, of building this company in a very positive way. And it's great. I really commend you on that. Thank you. It takes a good group of employees that we can trust, you know, to be able to stay calm. I'm sure it does. And again, that goes back to your, uh, like you said, your hiring strategy, which is finding just the right people, bringing in the right people that align with the values of the company. So that's great. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back and we're going to wrap this one up by putting Jenny on the civil engineering hot seat. We'll be right back. Civil engineering podcast. Civil engineering podcast. All right, we're back with Jenny Snape from Batcher Engineering down in New Orleans. And Jenny, it's time to go on the civil engineering hot seat. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine or a lunchtime routine or just something that you do consistently on a daily basis that helps contribute to your success? I don't really have like a morning routine or since I've been working from home, it's been a little different. You know, I usually wake up and check my email and... (laughs) you know, try to get through emails that may have come in overnight because, you know, now everybody's working at night. So that's changed things a little bit. But, uh, you know, I'd say one of the, my routines that I like to do, and it's just sort of a, you know, it's not really a routine, but it's just a goal is, you know, I love to be able to get through my inbox and try to at least respond to every email during the day, even if it's just a response that says, I'll get to this tomorrow. All right. So next one, what is one book that you might recommend to engineers or just one book in general that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development efforts? I really like to read Western novels. You know, I don't read a lot of uh, management books or anything, (laughs) but I really like uh, Larry McMurtry, my, my favorite author. I just really like Westerns mainly because, you know, people are they're like the engineers of the Wild West, you know, they're out there solving their challenges that they have in daily life out and uh, with very few tools and just the grit of, uh, grit of themselves. All right, next one. Thinking back on some of your managers of the past, maybe you can picture your favorite manager or managers and you don't need to specifically name anyone, but what was it about these managers that made them your favorite? What skills, what characteristics about them that, that you really liked? Yeah, so some of my favorite mentors and managers have have been people who've just taken the time to sit down and and have a conversation, whether it's through a technical question or just a question about succeeding an engineering career. You know, I think that that face-to-face time is really important and not seeming, they might've been really, really busy, you know, but they they took the time and didn't seem impatient with questions. And and I think that patience and, and attention is really what makes it. I can't tell you how many people have said that. I mean, this is episode 168 of the podcast, and I want to say that at least probably 50 to 75 people have answered that question in exactly that way. You know, my manager listened to me, they gave me their time, they gave me their attention. And it really tells you a lot when you start to see a pattern like that around what people remember about their favorite managers, really, truly. So I always like hearing that as an answer because it's just reinforces for all of our listeners, whether you're a manager or aspiring manager, that's, I think, really valuable information that I hope you can use in your management efforts. All right, Jenny, I've got one final question for you. We call it the civil engineering career 
elevator advice question. If you were to get into an elevator with a civil engineer and had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, and you had to give some career advice in that short period of time, what would your advice be? Well, if it was an aspiring civil engineer, my advice would be to get internships. I learned a lot more in internships than I think I did in college. So that would be my advice for a young college student. I would say for a civil engineer, I think getting field experience and talking to contractors and getting to know what's constructible. I think that's a sometimes a gap with civil engineers is constructability knowledge and um, just having those conversations with a contractor. You can really learn a lot. I think you hit it on the head in terms of field experience. I mean, that's worth like so much in terms of the development of a civil engineer. I mean, I started out in the field as a surveyor myself and I hated it. I was like, wow, this is, is this engineering? I'm in the woods. I'm, you know, I'm getting poison ivy. I'm getting kind of bitten up out here. But what I really learned was I learned about how projects really get built. And when you know how projects get built, when you go back and you have to design them on paper, you have a much better, more practical understanding of what is going on out there after you've done the work. And that can really inform you quite a bit. So I think that's a really great piece of advice. And really an internship effectively is the same thing. You're getting some of that work or some of that site kind of experience in college or university, which is even better because the earlier you start that process, the better. So Jenny Snape, Bachelor Engineering, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and spending some time with us. I know you and Bob are doing a tremendous job in building a company that is a special company for sure in the civil engineering community. It was a pleasure for us to have you on the podcast and talk a little bit about it. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast. Again, another episode in our Civil Engineering Entrepreneur Series. And, and Jenny was awesome. And what they're doing at Batcher is inspiring. And I hope that this episode inspires you to think about your company and how you could drive some positive social impact. In addition to the work that civil engineers do, which is positively impacting our communities every day, hearing from people like Jenny, to me, is always very inspiring. You can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 168. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And until next time, I wish you all the best in your civil engineering career endeavors. The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.